0: Welcome to Sparkle Speak. This is a podcast sponsored by Sparkle, which is a Christian women's ministry designed to connect women with the purpose of inspiration and encouragement. Each week, we will interview a new guest who will share her personal experience with Christianity. Whether you identify yourself as a Christian or not, this podcast is for you, and our intent is always to inspire one another through our own unique and individual stories of how God has moved and shaped us. Wherever you are listening today, we hope you enjoy this story of faith. Hello, everybody! Welcome back to Sparkle Speak. It's your host, Catherine, here, and uh, we're doing something a little different this week for this week's episode. I recently had a baby, as I mentioned last week, and so I haven't been able to interview anyone. But we have a recording that we did a few months back, and today we're going to feature the story of Nikki Catherinchia. She's actually my husband's cousin, and for those of you who haven't heard her story, it's very, very powerful. She has walked through some pretty difficult and challenging things, but the way God has just shown up for her and really redeemed a lot of brokenness. It's just incredible to to hear. So enjoy this testimony by Nikki. It's a little different because I'm not speaking with her directly. Um, She's sharing her story without anyone else uh, talking back, but it is amazing. So please enjoy her story.
1: All right. Well, uh, just an honor and a privilege to be here tonight with all three of you ladies. Um, just incredible testimonies about who our God is. And I think that there's so much power in a story. So I, when I was asked to do this, there was not a question in my mind that if this is what God wanted me to do, because there is power in our story. It's, you know, I once heard a pastor say, people will admire you for your strength, but they'll connect with you in your weaknesses. And that's the power of our story. And uh, born and raised in Detroit, in Metro Detroit. I have always lived here, never lived anyplace else. uh, With snowing today, so I wish I lived someplace else. (laughs) Um, But I was raised, I'm an Italian, uh, Italian Italian-American, and so I was raised in a good Italian Catholic family, which meant that faith for me was very much, uh, as much as it was a religion, it was a tradition. And, uh, God was good. As long as you were a good person and you worked hard enough and you did all the right things, you and God were good. Uh, but, uh, for me, my image of God was very much as long as I was good and followed the rules, I was good. And if I didn't, then he would punish me. And I was a rule follower by nature. And so that kind of worked out well for me because I followed the rules um except that about 18 i decided i was done following the rules uh i decided i wanted to do my own thing and started dabbling in things making some silly lifestyle choices um not the smartest lifestyle choices um and uh i was a very ambitious person had big and grand ambitions i was going to be a lawyer i was going to enter into the political arena Uh, that was my goal in life. And, uh, but like I said, about 18, I decided to kind of put my faith that I was raised with on the back burner. My mom and dad had been heavily involved in the Catholic church and had a, had a bad experience. And so when I made my confirmation, we kind of graduated from church and that was it. We stopped going. Um, and so by the time I hit 18, I was like, eh, I'm going to do my own thing. And so I started dabbling in some things that I really had no business a because they're not good for you B, I had no clue what I was doing. And, uh, you know, was offered drugs one night at a party in college and had no idea what I was putting in my body, and ended up having a a hallucination um, that I was dead. Like that was my hallucination that I was dying. And that I literally was dead. I remember coming out of the hallucination. I was in Ann Arbor on the campus of University of Michigan, coming out of the hallucination and looking at my friend, telling her I'm dead and God is punishing me. That was my first thought. God is punishing me, making me think I'm alive, but I'm really dead. And that literally spiraled me into a mini nervous breakdown. I had defied everything I was raised to be, everything, everything who I was as a rule follower, I had kind of pushed against it and had this incredible, horrific experience, and was just sure that God was punishing me. And I literally had to drop out of college. I was afraid to leave my house. I became consumed with fear and anxiety and literally became a shell of who I was. Uh, The only functional thing I did in that period of time was go to work. Uh, But at night, I was afraid to sleep because I was afraid I wouldn't wake up. And so I remember sitting in the living room, rocking back and forth, smoking cigarettes all night long while my poor father looked at me at his shell of a daughter who had all of this going for her and it came crashing down around me. And they sent me to a counselor. And I'll never forget the counselor who was not a Christian counselor said to me, you are clearly looking for God. You need to go find him. And that led me back to the only faith I knew, which was my, my my home, my home parish. I went back to the Catholic church and very quickly within that service, I knew that that's not where I was going to find God for myself. That was not the place that I needed to be. And I had had a cousin and his wife who had recently come to Christ and I went to them and I spilled my, you know, I told them everything I had done, which for a female in an Italian family was a big deal. Like you didn't tell your older male cousin, things like that. And so I did. And he immediately began to pray for me. They got me in Bible study. um, And that really kind of started me on my journey. The Holy Spirit began drawing me to Jesus. And at 21, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Um, My boyfriend at the time, uh, a few months later, he accepted Christ as his Savior. We got married in 2000. We've now been married. It'll be almost 21 years. We have a son who's 19. We have another son who's 17. Sammy is 19. Santino was 17 and a daughter Francesca. And, you know, life was good. I was still struggled with anxiety, but, you know, we were on fire for Jesus and things were great. And uh, we started going to a non-denominational church. I floundered a bit there. It was very, very, very traditional conservative. In fact, I was one of two women in the whole congregation that didn't wear a head covering. And so it really was, I'm a very outgoing extroverted kind of person. So it was a little intimidating for me because it kind of took me out of my comfort zone and sat in the sense that I felt like I had to be quieter than I naturally am. But we were on this journey, finding Jesus in a powerful way. And our son, Sammy was born in 2001 and Santino came in 2003 and after a year old, Santino started uh, missing developmental milestones. He did not walk until 16 months, which is like the latest that, that before they're delayed. But he was not speaking at all. And so we began the process of evaluations, testing. This child is not speaking. And then at about 22 months, he had his very first meltdown. And I thought he was having a temper tantrum because we're Italian. We're my husband's Italian too. And tempers run hot in our family. And so I'm like, oh boy, I got, I got a hot headed Italian here. Uh, except that that's not what it was. What uh, we began to discover is, is that he began to become more and more delayed with his milestones. And uh, we knew something was seriously wrong. Uh, nobody would give us any kind of diagnosis because he had these conflicting, some people would say he had autism, some people said no, he's affectionate, and so we were on this back and forth pendulum, we had no idea, and I, we ended up, I ended up in a therapy class in Macomb County with him, and I would literally leave beat up, like he would have these tantrums, and I would be sweating from physically having to hold him down and restrain him, and It was just, we had no idea what we were dealing with. And at this point, we are really floundering. I am really floundering at this church we were at. And I remember thinking, like on Wednesday, I was trying to figure out how I was going to get out of going to church on Sunday. And on Sunday, I was trying to figure out how I was going to get out of going to church on Wednesday night, because I just didn't belong there. And so, and I knew that I was missing something in the body of Christ. And so I remember going to my husband and saying, listen, we are about to embark on something that we're not prepared for and something that we can't do in our own strength and power. And so we are either going to fall into God or we're going to walk away from God. But if we're going to fall in, we need to find a church where we have community and we have people and, and all of that. And so it was, I will never forget it. It was, uh, um, I had driven down 13 mile a million times and seen this church. And it's at the time it was Warren Woods Church of the Nazarene drove by it a million times and uh, long story short, God drew us there. There were some people who knew people connected us there. And on the Sunday after our two and a half year old son, Santino was diagnosed with autism. He was finally diagnosed with autism. We began church here at the Woods church and immediately People took us under, our, under their wing. They introduced us to other people who had a child with autism, who introduced us to all these services that we could get for our newly diagnosed child. And we got into a small group and I was playing on a church softball team. And all of a sudden we had this community of believers that came around us. And literally our whole world had just imploded because every hope, every dream, everything we thought our life was going to be, it no longer was because of this diagnosis of autism. Yet in that, God was moving in the most beautiful, extraordinary way. And he led us to the place where we knew we were in for the fight of our lives, but we were gonna be okay. And it was around that time that I really started praying. I wanted another baby. We never intended to only have two kids. And so, but we were scared. You know, statistically 87% of parents with an autistic child will ultimately divorce. And so we were scared, like, what would this look like? Could we handle another baby? And so I prayed and I prayed and I specifically prayed, God, if our family can handle another child, please give me the desire of my heart. And if we can't, please shut the door, like do not let it happen. And within a month I was pregnant. And so we knew, we knew like this was gonna be, this was God and he was moving and we were gonna be okay. And on October 23rd, 2007, a beautiful little girl, was born into our family, our daughter Francesca Isabella, and she was I mean just the icing on the cake and as hard as autism was and it was hard and often feeling as a mom with a special needs child, you feel isolated you're not like typical families you watch families do normal play dates and things like that that you just can't do and it can be an isolating lonely place, but God was doing extraordinary things, and now we had this beautiful baby girl, and she like I said, was just the icing on the cake um, But on January 7th, 2008, just at 78 days old, our little girl, Francesca, went home to be with Jesus. She passed away from SIDS. And um, there's nothing I can say to describe your world being shattered into a million pieces. Um, I remember the day she died, because I am the one who found her in her crib and I remember screaming on my living room floor, please God, make her a miracle. Please God, make her a miracle, make her a miracle, make her a miracle. And of course the miracle I wanted was for life. And I believed that God was a God of miracles. And I had prayed for this child. He had given me this child and I knew that she could be a miracle. And of course, inevitably she was not. Um, and she went home to be with Jesus and, uh, It was the hardest thing. I never thought that I would deal with anything harder than autism. And almost two years to the day after our son was diagnosed, our daughter passed away. And so um, it was just extraordinarily difficult. But God is so extraordinary. and, And there are no words that can contain God and who he is and how he moves within a day of her passing, a lady that I do not know, have never met, have to this day have never talked to. It was a friend of a cousin, sent me an email. And ironically, before my daughter passed away, I had been praying Psalm 139. Had nothing to do with my unborn child, though. It was about me. I was in this middle ground in ministry, and I really wasn't sure where God wanted me to be. And I was in kids ministry, but I felt like I was God was calling me to something different. And so I kept praying Psalm 139 because I'm like, God, search me and know me. Like, you know me. You know me better than I know myself. You knit me together. You know where you want me. And uh, this lady sent me an email and she said, your daughter lived 100% of her life. And I do believe the the words of Psalm 139 that all of our days are ordained before one of them come to pass. And that my daughter did live 100% of her life. Some people are allotted. 95 years and some people are allotted 78 days but what God can do with those 78 days is beyond what I could have ever comprehended because he set my husband and I on a journey that was extraordinarily painful but God was with us every step of the way and there were days where his presence was so real and so tangible that I literally felt like I could physically touch him he was so close to us, in fact, my husband and I often say we wish other people could experience God the way that we did without experiencing the pain that we had to experience to really, be, you know, know God that way. And his people, there is nothing more beautiful than the body of Christ and the way that the people of God will do the most extraordinary things in obedience to the Holy Spirit. I have friends come and lay in bed with me and wipe my tears. I had friends tell me on Mother's Day, you know, which is always the hardest. Was always the hardest day of the year for me. Would I had a friend one year say, "God told me you need to. I'm gonna let you cry. I'm gonna hold you, and then you're gonna get up. You're gonna take a shower. You're gonna make yourself pretty, and we're going out." That takes an extraordinary amount of obedience from a prompting of the Holy Spirit because most people would just let you wallow and be sad, quite honestly. But the people of God are extraordinary, and uh, and and. In reality, we did not just survive; we thrived. Um, but I will say that that anxiety that I had suffered with came back and came back full force after my daughter died. And I had seen God move in extraordinary ways, but this anxiety of something bad's going to happen. My son was diagnosed with autism. Then my daughter died. Like inevitably something bad was about to happen. Like I just knew something bad was going to happen. So I started manipulating situations to keep my kids safe and to keep my husband safe. And and I would often pray, you know, God, if there's anything between me and you, reveal it to me so that, you know, if anything's hindering me from being all that you have called me and created me to be. And I'll never forget it. One day I was at the altar during a, a Sunday church service and God revealed it. And he said, fear, fear is what's standing between me and you. And I was like, I mean, you would think I wouldn't have been dumbfounded by that, but I was totally dumbfounded by that because I'm like, well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Like, I've just gone through this journey. I've been faithful. I've been obedient. I, you know, all of that. And he's like, no, it's fear because you don't trust me. Mm -hmm. And he was right. I didn't, I didn't trust him to get it right because in my mind, he had gotten it wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I did struggle with trusting him. And that was the one thing I struggled to pray for a lot for, only- for a couple of years after my daughter died was that prayer of God, I trust you. Uh, Cause I had prayed that prayer and I had trusted him and he gave me this child and then, he- and then she was gone. And, uh, that day I fully surrendered to him. And I said, that's it. I do trust you. I do. Tr- I don't understand why I don't, I don't like it, but I know you're moving in it and I know you are doing incredible things. And that moment of trust, God then made me face these different things that I had struggled with fear over. I had to get in an airplane. I was afraid to fly. He's like, no, no, you're not. I'm just going to take it from you. You're going to face these fears. And one by one, I faced the fears. And that was a moment of, It's almost that moment of second grace, that moment of sanctification. When you walk in the fullness of surrendering to God, it's more than just, I believe in you, Jesus, but it's more like, I'm going to give you everything, Jesus. I'm going to give you everything because I trust that you see what I don't see. And therefore you'll do what I wouldn't do. And I had seen him bless so many people through my daughter's story and, and our testimony. And I began to write and I began to blog and, and people were impacted by her story. And then I, um, you know, in that time I had been journaling, I'm a faithful journal journaler. And the one day I was journaling, it was around the time of my husband's anniversary. And I got to the very Last page. It was interesting because we had a night of prayer over our son with autism. And it was a beautiful night. The Holy Spirit moved. It was a prayer of anointing. It was just oh we had like 60 people packed in a 960 square foot house. And that's not an exaggeration, praying an anointing prayer over our son with autism. And my girlfriend was like, You need to journal every single moment of this night. And as I was journaling just how awesome God was, I realized it would be the last journal entry in the journal that I started the week my daughter died. And it was in that moment that God revealed to me very clearly that he actually had answered my prayer. She was a miracle because she gave me God in a way that I would have never had him. Had he not gifted her to me, had she not entered my world and exited this earth, because she's never exited my world. She's, She's left this earth. She's never left my life. Um, And I realized that she was a miracle because she was the catalyst to God calling me into my ministerial calling. And very quickly after I surrendered and God revealed that to me, I felt called to go back to school. And I did. I thought I was going to be a Christian counselor. Um, And God very quickly uh, shut that door and said, no, that's not what I'm calling you to. And so I finished my degree, I got a bachelor's degree in religion and biblical studies, and I really didn't know what I was going to do with it. And my head, my lead pastor here at the witch Church said, I know what you're going to do with it. You're going to be a pastor. And I was like, are you crazy? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. At that point, I had come out of Catholicism into a church that theologically didn't believe in female pastors. So I'm like, I don't even know that I, I'm allowed to do, I don't know that I'm allowed to do this. But God very quickly uh, revealed to me that no, that absolutely was my calling, and He called me to not only to be a pastor but to be a preacher. And I remember as I answered that call, being woken up in the middle of the night. The spiritual attacks were heavy and hard, and crying going who do I think I am? I'm not a pastor's kid. I wasn't really raised in the church. If people only know what I've done. And God just very once once again so graciously, very clearly said, it is because of what you've gone through that I'm calling you to be a minister of the gospel. Because people will connect because of what you've gone through and who you are and the fact that you're not a you know a pastor's kid, and you didn't do everything right, and and so um, so I answered the call, and I've been a pastor now for six years, and I like I said I'm a preacher of the gospel, and uh, I I know very clearly that every time I walk out on the platform that it was my daughter that God used as a catalyst for my calling, and that um, He does want me to minister to people. And I am just living proof that God, you know, in the Old Testament, it talks about how God will take the ashes of this life and turn it into beauty. And I am living proof that God takes ashes and turns it into beautiful things for his kingdom because the... The, the, the highlight of my story is not that I'm a strong person. It's not that I'm extra special. It's that God is that great that he can take something shattered into a million pieces and put it back together. You know, Psalm the, the, the words of the Psalms are so true. God binds our wounds and he heals our broken hearts. You know, and I think about, I often think about those five women who are listed in the gospel of Matthew and the genealogy to Jesus. And how broken and dysfunctional so many of their stories are, and it's always in our brokenness, in our weaknesses, in our shortcomings, in our hurt and our pain that He can be glorified in the greatest of ways. And so, you know, I always say, in my humanness, I would say, take my son's autism away, and give him my daughter back. But that's why God doesn't give us the blueprint. We can't handle seeing the big picture. We don't know the big picture, but God can take even the most hurting, you know, even the most heartbreaking things in this life and really use them for his glory. And so I am, I am a proponent and always an advocate for sharing our stories because nobody is ever alone. There's so many people who feel alone, but all of us have the unique opportunity to share with just one person and speak into one person and say, you are not alone. I have been there and you will be okay.
0: thank you for tuning into this week's episode of sparkle speak if you are interested in following us on social media you can find us on instagram at underscore sparkle faith underscore or at sparklefaith.com. there you can find information on upcoming events and speakers and please feel free to reach out to us if you have a personal story of faith that you would be willing to share with us we hope you tune in again next week and we hope your week is full of the sparkle we all need